It's the Super 90s Brothers! Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, Ow! where we do hazy memory riffs on the most yeehaw decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler, and today we're talking about City Slickers. Ow! Oh, man. Oh, that intro theme song is cringeworthy. Uh, you hate it? I hate it. I, it, You know why? Because we'll get into it later, but... I really hate the beginning of the, the opening of this movie with all the animation. And I, it just really makes me, it just, it's cringy. <laughs> wow. Um, strong take from you. Yeah. I don't know why I was just like, I started this movie the other night and I was like, I had to like fast forward through it. Cause I was just like, this is too long of an intro. Um, speaking of intros, we're here, we're back. It's been a while. We, there's so much that's happened in our lives in the last uh, month and a half, Adam. Too much. Way too much. You went to Ireland. I. Uh, that sounds exciting. I'm sure it sounds like we might do an episode where we, where we can talk more about that. Yeah, we need to do an Ireland centric episode where we can really get into it. But there's no like no good Ireland '90s movies we discovered. There are not many. I do have a new Irish friend who loves like Ireland, and he gave me like a list of ten. Uh, so. Maybe we can find something out of there, but uh, yeah. So I I'll, a quick uh, tease into my Ireland stories. We ran into this guy who sold flowers in Dublin, and he knew Brenda Fricker, the pigeon lady from Home Alone Two. <laughs> that's a, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that's just one of many things to come on future episodes of Super Nineties Bros. That that's really exciting. I uh, stuff that's exciting that's happening with me is I'm in my own new studio, Adam. Oh, Spokecast is finally in its permanent home. I, uh, wow. And so I'm, I'm fine. Like I, if you've been with us the last like eight months, I've been doing this multiple different places or last even you've last been homeless. year. I've been homeless. Yes. Yeah, so now, yeah. now I've, I'm no longer homeless. You're recovering homeless. I'm yes. I'm the, the programs worked for you at least. Mm-hmm. That's true. Here we are, Adam. It's been a month and a half, and it's there's a lot to catch up on, but we're not going to do that today. What? We've but, got, we have, who cares anyway? Who cares, yeah? You know, they, people don't care about us. No, what they, they don't. do care about our awesome '90s topics, like the City Slickers movie. Mm-hmm. So, if you care about awesome '90s topics and you like listening to us, you should help us out by giving us those awesome five star reviews on Apple iTunes Music. Um, we'd love to get that. Just subscribe to our show, share us, say nice shit. Uh, stroke our delicate egos and um, you can check us out and interact with us at super 90s brothers at gmail.com at super 90s brothers brennan is at spokecast pods adam reach out to us send us ideas for 90s episodes maybe we'll just do it yeah we i think we absolutely will do it if you just email us please do i i, I need some we need some ideas uh but uh but we have some good ideas coming up in the next in the next couple of weeks like- I got like three or four ideas. We have a whole year to fill. Yeah. Let's get into it, Adam. Let's uh 
It's the tunes of the time. Oh yeah, tunes of the time. Yeah. Let's get okay. into the into the year. This is early '90s. We're getting into the early '90s of this is really of early. cinema. Yeah, early early '90s, June 1991. So, so I want to set the scene for everyone. Now, everyone, just close your eyes for a minute. We're going to travel back in time. Picture yourself. It's June 1991. Roseanne was the number one sitcom at the time. You're sitting on an ugly brown sofa, and the radio starts playing the number six song in the country. You want the chorus, or do you are, you? are you good? Um, you want the chorus? I'll give you the chorus. Yeah, sure. Give me the chorus. Trying to keep up with you, and I don't know if I can do it. Oh no, I said too much. I haven't said enough. I thought that I heard you laughing. Chorus takes a long time. It does take a long time. Well, that was Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Ow. So this this video, really, really interesting video. Um, did you watch the video? Yeah. I mean, I've seen this movie. I've seen this video dozens of times. I've, I've heard it was like played constantly on MTV in the day. Constantly. It was so the video looks like like bad community theater art house. Yeah. Like it 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 looks like a really, really pretentious, like college programs, you know, take on humanity with like, I can't even, I can't even tell you what's going on. There's like this glass, there's this glass jug of milk that like falls in slow motion and it shatters on the floor (laughs) all dramatically at one point. And there's just a lot of like depressed, solemn expressions. Everybody in the video just looks like really moody and sad. You know, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a very I don't I love this song. I don't care for the video, but I do really like the song. Um, oh, I love the song. I think mm. the song is great. But yeah, the video and I'd never really seen the video until I was prepping for this show. And like the videos, there's all these like homoerotic, scantily clad men dressed up as religious symbols. And I I didn't know that the REM guy was gay. Like I just didn't know. And I watched this video for like 20 seconds now I, I googled is the rem guy gay because i was like my first thought it was like yes he came out it was gay in 1994 and i was like okay the <laughs> signs were there you didn't know that michael's type was gay no i i don't i honestly like it, legitimately I mean, just don't pay attention to those kind of things that yeah, that's fair i mean I, no one really should really care about anybody's sexual preference anyways but like uh, i feel like it was a big deal when it when it happened in, in the 90s um, yeah i just wasn't plugged in enough to the music scene to been aware of probably that name versus who rem what like i just didn't mm. yeah. anyway so watching the video there's this spot and you guys got to check this out if you're interested in this video it happens at about like one minute 52 seconds one minute 53 seconds there's this there's this dude who's dressed up like a gay angel in his little boy shorts and he's like it looks like he's like humping some dude off stage mm. like all you can see is like 
the back of him humping something and somebody's hands around his neck and it might be his own hands it's really it's kind of hard to tell but it definitely looks like he's having sex with something that's like just slightly off screen it's very it is very kind of shocking as i'm watching I'm like, what is going on in this video yeah there it, there's a lot of I, i'm guessing there's a lot of uh double meaning or there's yeah a lot of themes going on in this video i think it's a lot about him being you know homosexual and gay and i i think when i was a kid 1991 i'm like seven years old so like i don't know what losing my religion means i just knew it was somewhat fun to listen to <laughs> yeah i had no idea what it meant it's like a fun song it's like you like the song losing my religion so i i guess it means it's an old southern expression meaning that you're at the end of your rope and you're not polite anymore you're like angry you've mm. lost your religion well you've lost your way about you hmm. I, I yeah i guess I still don't know what the song's about. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either, but cool song, huh? Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, so, so anyway. number You said number six song in the U.S. at the time. Did it ever get the number one, Adam? Do you know? You know, I didn't look. Mm, um, I'm curious. I honestly always just, I look up the week of the topic that we're doing, and I just look at the top ten, and I pick one. What was the number one? I got to ask. Oh, I don't. It was some R&B crap, probably. <laughs> like, no, seriously, every time, it's always some crappy R&B song. Some, like, bad love ballad. And I just, oh, I'm, it's so much more fun just picking one. Oh, that's true. But anyway, speaking of men who have lost faith in their belief system, let's get to our featured film, City Slickers. Ow! Uh, Brennan, how old were you when you first saw this movie? I mean, I think I saw this. I remember watching this movie with my father. Uh, we definitely rented this on like video and uh i i just i just remember i i, I was must have been seven yeah i i couldn't after like maybe seven eight when after it came out uh but yeah i definitely don't have many bit like strong memories of it i just remember it kind of just being around i do remember billy crystal really well from the 90s uh but that's about that's really my memory of city slickers uh what about you adam did you did i feel like you might have seen this movie in the theater uh, you know, I don't remember if I did or not, but I know that my mom really loved this movie. So like she rented it and we, we like owned it earlier on. I remember my friend Kip, his like mom bought it like for their house, like right when it came out and I remember watching it at his house, like city slickers was like on a lot. It's always been like, I think like a, a really, a, I look at it really fondly. Like to this day, I think it's just like a really nice, fun, early nineties comedy, mm. you know, set in the West with with some with some really good talented people you know all starred by billy crystal who's like you know super funny and just really enjoyable to watch on screen and, and always has been yeah what was your did you I mean i always knew who billy crystal was in the 90s like just because he was around and i think it might have might have been because of city slickers harry met sally but like i like dug a little deep into his career and like it wasn't like he was doing a ton of like great movies in the eighties at all either. Like it was just like, he was just always around in the like late eighties. Like do you, well, yeah, he was doing like stand up comedy and I remember, yeah. didn't he like host the Oscars or something? Or he, he like, hosted, he also, he hosted the Oscar four years in a row from like 92 to like 96 or something like that. Okay. Well, that's probably, I, I remember that's probably what I'm remembering a lot. Like a lot of good sound bites of him hosting things and being super funny and like an enjoyable host you know i'm not one to watch award shows unless there's a good host and like billy crystal ricky gervais that's like that's about top of the list yeah 
yeah, I, I just, I'm always curious to know what people's thoughts are on Billy Crystal because, yeah, he was just around for so long. But we'll we'll get into Billy Crystal in a, in a little bit when we talk about the characters. Should we should we you, do it, Adam? Do we need to do it? Um, yeah, we need to do it. Oh man, Brennan's bad synopsis. All right. Um, well, here we go. It's, I mean, City Slickers is a pretty. This story's been done a lot. It's about three men who are in their midlife crisis. And like the movie starts out with Billy Crystal and his buddies. They're in the running of the bull in Papalona, Spain. I believe I said that right. And I guess they just are buddies that just go around and like they do like a, a bro trip, you know, every year, every other year. Like, you know, go to Vegas, you know, get out like your masculinity. And, and Billy Crystal is just, He's in a slump. He's a uh, he's a radio media buyer. Uh, he he doesn't like what he's doing in life. He lives in New York with his family of two kids and a wife, and he's just not very happy. He's and he's turning and and so the movie fast forward after the running of the bull to him being his 39th birthday, and now he's about to turn 40. And so, what do his friends do? What do they they get him for his birthday? They get him a a trip to uh, New Mexico to do a cattle drive. And so these three friends, uh, they go, uh, so Billy Crystal, so Mitch Daniels, uh, so Billy Crystal, Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby, they all go down to, to New Mexico to do this cattle drive where they where city people from the city. Just, they let these people from the city just drive their cattle from, uh, for two weeks and they learn how to do all this. And then that's what happens in the movie. They do a cattle drive. They run and they, they, Jack Palance is curly and he is the one that's kind of leading the cattle drive and he's the, the old wise man. And he, 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 him and Billy Crystal kind of befriend each other. Like after a stampede, I don't know after they have to go get some cows after a stampede. And that's where Billy Crystal and Jack have like a heart to heart about life. And like, what, what You're is making this movie sound so lame? It is. Like, like, I, I don't, I'm not going like, to lie. It's not that it's that I mean the movie is, pretty fucking boring it's about get to the good stuff there that's there is no good stuff what's the good stuff uh-huh. there there's a stampede that he started that was that the good stuff um yeah anyways so basically curly tells billy to like what's your one thing and that's what billy crystal needs to discover and then curly dies he like just dies like he's like sitting on top of a hill and he's well, he, dead he's, he's old you know like they die. Yeah, people in and so he dies and so now but they have to <laughs> they have to get the cows to Colorado still. Like even with Curly dead. Like this isn't going to stop anybody from getting these cows. Like these people have paid thousands of dollars to come drive cattle. This cannot end. And so they they keep on driving the cattle and uh I, I this is where I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Billy the the cowboy helper guys get drunk and oh, like that's right. yeah, yeah. run away. And then, like, so Mitch and his buddies have to do it alone. Uh, and then th- there's a point where, like, there's a, a cow that gives birth to a calf. And yeah. they want to kill the calf. But Billy Crystal won't let him. And Billy Crystal adopts the calf and takes it a, takes it home with him to New York. And and then they learn all life lessons about themselves. And I believe his family's there at the end of the cattle run, wherever they're at. No, no, no true. his family's okay. at the airport. Oh, they're at the airport. And... And now he's happy with life because he's found his one thing. It's his family. It's a pet, it's a pet cow. It's a pet cow. Um, what did what did they name the cow? Do you remember? Norman. Okay. Uh, and that's the end of the story. Family is his one thing. 
I think it's the pet cow, but good. I mean, there's I mean, a, everybody has a family. That's not special. Who has a pet cow? No one. Yeah. I mean, except Billy Crystal. And so I guess they end up. I, mean, fucking I, I guess that they're gonna end up. Mo- I guess they have to end up moving out of the city to raise that cow. They're not raising it in the city. So. They moved him into the apartment. Cow deposit. It's a pretty simple story. I mean, it's not like it's about a man going through his midlife crisis. And I think they're all kind of going through midlife crisis. Daniel Stern's like cheated on his terrible wife with a 20, 20 year old, uh, Bruno Kirby, uh, is plays like a kind of a slick Italian guy who dates really young women, but like he's the woman he's with, like at the, at the beginning of the movie, they just started dating. And then like fast forward a year later, she's now pregnant. Yeah. And he has his own baggage as well. Like they all have like their life lessons that they learn like through this trip. Uh, and yeah, the life, the, the story, the story is all about learning about what, what makes you motivated in life? Because that's what Billy Crystal has to figure out from, you know, cause he doesn't like what he's, where he's at in his life. All right. Good job, Brennan. We'll, we'll, uh, put you out of your misery there. Just like we did with Norman's mom. Thank you. After she gave birth to the calf. Good job. Yeah. It's, it's a movie about people, people in the West, people finding themselves. And, uh, you're right. The midlife crisis stuff has been done pretty regularly. I, I would argue this one had a really interesting setting. Mm. You know, you, you it's it's a fish out of water story. You take a bunch of New Yorkers who mm. grew up idolizing cowboys and you let them go play cowboys for two weeks, but then they have to really become cowboys to save the day and save all the cattle. Otherwise, all the all the cattle die. Yeah. Apparently, Billy Crystal came up with this idea, like for the movie at some point, and like. After this movie came out, there was just a humongous like spike in like this type of thing happening in the in, in the Southwest. Like cattle drives were a ton of people wanted to go do this. I don't know if it was a like an actual real thing people did before this, but it created like that you can still go do experiences in the Southwest or anywhere. Like you can go do stuff in Montana too, like where you can go and city people can go and learn how to farm and stuff like that. Like I have no idea who would want to pay for this kind of stuff. I, when I go on vacation, I want to be on fucking vacation. Um, which I think Billy Crystal kind of says to Curly, uh, uh, sometime in the movie, but, uh, I don't think, I don't think it sounds awful. Like going and being a cowboy for two weeks, riding horses through the mountains and like camping out and stuff. That doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. I guess it's, it, it sounds like a little bit of fun, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think I'd enjoy it. I'd probably, you know, I'd probably pick about twenty other vacations first. But yeah, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. Like, if you if you really wanted to do it and you were having your midlife crisis, by the way, we we watched this movie when we were like seven years old. Yeah, and Billy Crystal was like turning thirty nine. He 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 seemed old as fuck. And like now I'm watching it. And I'm thirty eight, and I don't like it. Like I don't I don't. I, I don't I had, like switching roles. I had the same exact thought when I was watching this movie. Like I'm 38 too. Like these, I will say this. There is a different difference in aging now versus the eighties. Like people that were in their late thirties in the nineties, like seem so much older than 38 year olds do now. Um, and, but yeah, I was, I was like, I was doing the math. I was like, he does not look look 38 or 39 and then he filmed this when he was 43 so it wasn't like it was like that you know like it wasn't like he was 50 being 38 so he was pretty close to the age uh i don't like it i don't like it either are you going through a midlife crisis yet adam oh yeah i mean i bought the convertible i jumped out of an airplane 
I broke my femur doing a, a sick flip on a, on oh, a yeah. wakeboard. That's true. Yeah. I remember, forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going through a midlife crisis where I'm wearing oversized jackets and yeah, uh, I, I commented and now, and I'm starting podcasting companies. So uh, yeah, definitely going through a midlife crisis. Um, what, what you need is a rapper name. B money. That's what my rapper name is. All right. We well, need to start like introducing yourself like that to new people. Oh, I, I mean, I can do that. That's easy. Uh, right, okay, that's that's <laughs> you get you get full midlife crisis status when you change your name like that. Well, let's get into the characters. Let's get into the main guy who's going through his midlife crisis. We've talked a lot about him already. Billy Crystal, famous for When Harry Met Sally, Forget Paris, Monsters Inc., and uh, of course, The Princess Bride. He plays Mitch, and uh, we've already talked about all the stuff he's going through. Um, should we should we go to the first clip, Adam? Um, yeah, go ahead. Value this time in your life, kids. Because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. <laughs> 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure. Well, there's uh, Billy Crystal basically explaining to his uh, son's class that he's going through a midlife crisis. I feel I like that's about right. The, yeah, he sums up the American dream pretty well. I mean, that's that's every white man's like American dream. Like That's what everyone does. And uh, when he said, you got in your 40s and you'll, your friends will have grandkids. You, like People you know have grandkids. I'm like, I think I know a couple of people that might have grandkids already that are our really? age. Really? Yeah. From our grade? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit older than us, like maybe three years older than us, but yes. Wow. Yeah. I'm yeah. still, I'm still deciding on whether or not I could handle a second dog. <laughs> uh, and so far the answer has been no. Do you, what else do you have to say about belief uh, in this movie? Well, you had mentioned earlier that the movie was kind of boring and and I guess that if you're just if you're just a plot person, then yeah, I, I guess I could see that. This movie, I think the strength of this movie is the dialogue and largely it's Billy Crystal's dialogue, um his quips, his interactions with others. Uh, we just played you, you know, uh, a little rant he did about the aging process. This movie is chock full of him being funny with little off-key stories and lines and and jokes and he really he really keeps the movie fun and fresh the whole time with his little characters that he does like it's he's really just like i said he's really enjoyable to watch and the whole movie is is just littered full of these little the, these little stand-up bits that he's doing mm. do you he always does this thing where he's like talking to people and he's like hello he does that a lot is that like a a bit he does because he just said it all the time in this movie, and then yeah, I think it's like a catchphrase of his, you know, like um, like I'll be back for Arnold. He does like hello, yeah. It, I guess like he just does it. He did it all the time in the movie, and I was like, I started to get annoyed by it. I was just like, Are you gonna? He did the hello at least like five times in the first like forty five minutes. Yeah, um, I mean it's not quite like Polly Shore shtick, but it's definitely Billy Crystal shtick. Yeah. Uh, well, so, like, yeah, I, I like Billy Crystal. I think he's, I think he's really uh, fun to watch, and I like his character in this movie. 
Yeah, he, he's good. I, he's I good in this movie. He's good in this movie. Uh, yeah. You want to get in the next character? Yeah, so the next character is his best friend, Daniel Stern. At the time, he was he was really successful. Um, he was the narrator on The Wonder Years, which was a great show at the time. Obviously, he was one of the bad guys in Home Alone, Home Alone 2. He's in the movie Rook of the Year, which Brennan and I talk about a lot, and he directed Rook of the Year. He's in the, the bad 90s comedies, Bushwhacked and Celtic Pride. Um, and then uh, Bruno Kirby, the other guy, uh, so their character names are Phil and Ed. Bruno Kirby was also in Harry Met Sally, and he was in the movie Donnie Brasco. And the three of them are, they're like lifelong friends that grew up together somewhere in like New York. And they like baseball and they like cowboy movies and Westerns and they like playing cards and they like, you know, going to dinner and hanging out with each other. And, and at one point, Billy Crystal says, I have, I know 10 people and they're all here at my birthday. Like they, they come across as like a very average little group of people you might meet. Very true. Do what is, what is a uh, Bruno Kirby's character do? Is he, oh, he owns like a sports store, right? Yeah, he owns okay. like a sporting goods store. He has like a jacket with his face on it. And Billy Crystal gives him shit about it. He's like the most successful of the three of them, right? I would assume. Um, he seems like he's the happiest. Right. But I, I don't know because he's, got, it's you know, he's he's complicated. He's wearing like a, he's wearing a pretty big defense system mask. You know, he doesn't, the guy, you, you find out that he's like pretty insecure about stuff that happened when he was young. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, his... The, the story that he tells about is the best day and worst day of his life. Um, yeah, it gets a little heavy. Is, but, that, you know, that part is really heavy. <laughs> but um, the movie the movie isn't heavy, really. There's just those couple of discussions that, that veer off anything other than funny or, or fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel Stern's in it. I mean, I, I mean, Daniel Stern's really memorable in it just because I just re- remember him so well now from, like, when I think of, like, the 90s, I think of his roles a lot and and i really do enjoy seeing him pop up and stuff every now and again like in today like he doesn't i don't feel like he does anything anymore but um i think he's too busy living on his own ranch he uh after this movie apparently went and bought a like a 500 acre ranch somewhere and became a rancher as well um because he he He, loved it so much out the character Oh, is that what the character does at the end of the movie? Well, no, not exactly oh, okay. what I mean. Like he becomes, he gets into the wild west. <laughs> uh, I do so, want to go ahead. We're going to say, I was just going to talk about Phil's wife. Oh yeah. She's just this really nasty succubus of a woman. And, the, and she's always glaring at him and she doesn't like talk to him. She like talks at him and everything she says is really, like really shrill. And you can tell she just hates him. And and Phil works for her dad at a grocery store. So he's like, get up every day at like 4 a.m. to go do inventory and shit. And at this party at the women, at this party at the beginning, this woman shows up and it's like, it's played by the voice of Lisa Simpson, which is funny. Like her name is Yardley Smith. Mm-hmm. And she shows up at like Mitch's party to tell her that like she missed her period. And she announces it in front of Phil's wife. And she's like, why is she telling you this, Phil? And he's like, uh-huh. Because I'm her boss and and we have a health plan. <laughs> uh, uh, should we do one? You want to play that clip right now? Yeah, go for it. Put it down. No, 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 no. That's my phone. You're crazy. That's right. Not having sex for twelve years will do that to a person. No, come on, you stop it. Come on, not in front of your friends. Come on. I'm not afraid of you. Ah! Call from the bedroom! The 
I just got the joke about finding the bedroom, like because she they don't have sex. Um, <laughs> uh, she was really unlikable for like the the three minutes she's in the film. Yeah, she did a really good job. Like you know, I, movies I've, are good at that. I've met if that somebody one. needs to cheat or break up. They're really good at making you hate the the current boyfriend. I've met girlfriend. that one before. <clears throat> you like a friend a friend of yours married her or dated yeah, her? Yeah. Yes. Um, you taught me. Feel- you taught me about succubus. I never knew what a succubus was until, like, until obviously you you. I don't know if you learned about it from South Park, but like, I feel like I learned about it from you through South Park, because um, you always used to use the word succubus all the time when we were younger. They're a real thing, man, and uh, <laughs> many a good men have fallen to to their whims, and uh, I think if we we should all pour one out for our long lost high school buddy that like fell into the trap of one and we like never see him again. Like we all know that guy. Yeah, like, we, we do. The, these are real women out there that do this um, <laughs> and they're scary as fuck. They're even scarier now because social media exists because they're like, they like if this woman was on Facebook, like in the nineties, like, like she would be like the most like happy person and like posting all the like great things that their family's doing. And then like, but behind Facebook and all the the facade, the, she'd be like yelling at her husband how about yeah. ter- how terrible yeah, their life is. She's an awful woman, but she'd be like logging in to his Facebook account and posting fake status updates, <laughs> and then logging into her own account and commenting on them because she's psychotic. That's yeah, that's crazy. People do yeah. that shit. I cannot believe it. Well, evil exists, and uh, we feel for all the the fallen soldiers. But um, so Phil's Phil's lucky. He's lucky enough to to be able to cheat on her with Lisa Simpson, and uh, the she's like, "You fucked this little girl in my daddy's store," and he goes, "No," and she goes, "It was in his car," and and then Bruno Kirby go, Bruno Kirby goes, "The checkout girl? What'd you use for protection? Paper or plastic?" <laughs> <laughs> um, another person that seems out of age there. She does not seem like she's twenty years old. Uh, no, she seems like she's like thirty, and uh, but. That now that she's like back then, it was probably normal that, like, it was a little bit normal. But like now that it, all I can hear is Maggie, uh, Maggie Simpson. You mean uh, Lisa Simpson? Sorry, Lisa Simpson. Thank you. Um, yeah. Don't know my Simpson. Yeah, me Simpsons too. Here. Yeah. Uh, um. So, that's what happens to Phil. So he kind of breaks up with his wife right as he's going on this cattle trip. So he's kind of like he's got to rediscover himself and realize that his whole life is going to change. And we. And we've seen those guys too, the guys that lose their families and like they go through this like metamorphosis, like a caterpillar. Um, and that's sort of what Phil's doing. And then Ed Bruno Kirby, he's just like afraid to grow up and have kids. He like, he wants to be with a bunch of different women and partake in extreme sports, like running the bulls and like target parachute diving and shit like that. Um, but at the core of it, like, it's just cause he doesn't, you know, he's not sure of himself, really. He doesn't He doesn't want to be like his dad, so he doesn't want to, doesn't even want to be a dad. Mm. Yeah. We, and um, I, I found this out. I always wondered why Bruno Kirby wasn't back for City Slickers 2, and I found out it's because he had a really bad horse allergy, mm. and that while he was on set for City Slickers, he was having to take these, like, big, giant shots daily to, to allow him to be able to, like, work alongside these horses. I heard that, and I also heard that him and Billy Crystal had a falling out. Um, oh, I didn't hear that. Tell me about that. Uh, all I know is that Bruno Kirby wasn't. All I know is that Bruno Kirby was not in City Slickers 2. And then that Billy Crystal 
someone asked him later in life at a, like a press junket. Um, it was for uh, oh, a stupid movie with Julia Roberts and he like plays like Julia Roberts, like, or, uh, and Catherine Zeta Jones, like, uh, American sweethearts. And they were doing, someone asked him a question at that. Like if like him and Bruno Kirby had a falling out, like due to like celebrity stuff. And he's like, I don't see how that, you know, really matters to this. And he's like, well, I'm asking you because of like your, cause that's what this movie's about. Um, and anyways, it, I'm telling that story wrong, but like basically th- that's what they think happened is that Bruno Kirby had a falling out with Billy Crystal. Anyways. Um, well, he's, he passed away. Yeah. 2006. I didn't really know Bruno. Like he was second build in this movie um, next to Billy Crystal. And other than, you know, what do you I mean? Other than city slickers and, the other movies you named, I, I didn't even really know who he is. I mean, apparently. yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he was a household name, but you know, he he's a good actor. He, yeah, he did a lot. He did a lot of, of obscure stuff and kind of like interesting roles. I know, like film critics like him, like like um, Roger Ebert really likes Bruno Kirby. I don't mm. know why I know that, but mm. interesting. Um, anyway, so Phil though, Phil's pretty funny. He's sort of like at the end of his rope, everybody bullies him. His wife bullies him. His father-in-law bullied him. He, he breaks up with him. He goes on this cattle drive. And now like the, the ranch hands are being assholes and they're getting drunk and they're threatening the baby calf Norman after Curly dies. We've got a clip of that. We've got a clip of Daniel Stern kind of like blowing up. And let's have some peace and quiet around here for Christ's sake. I'm tired. I've been under a lot of stress. I lost my wife. I lost my job. And I've got some sort of rash for making in the bushes. I have a distinct memory of watching this movie with my dad and asking him what making in the bushes meant. I'm, I'm so glad you asked that. I was just going to ask you, have you ever heard anybody refer to it as making? Is that like an East Coast thing? I heard it on Ray Donovan the other day. I have no idea. I've never heard of like, I mean, I never, I knew about it just because of my dad assumed it was about taking a poop in the woods. But like, I feel like the better line is there. Like, like I feel like I, and I have a rash from taking a shit in the woods. Like that's a lot better delivery than like making in the woods. I guess it must be an East coast thing. Making is such a gross way to describe it. Like you're making something. It's just, it's, it's disgusting. I'm making a shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't like it at all. Like I, I'm, I'm appalled by it, as I am by most, by most East Coast slang. I'm appalled by you, East Coast. <laughs> Not that I think the West Coast is any great shakes either. <laughs> but, but you know, enough with the the trio of friends. Yep. Like kind of the star of the movie, Academy Award winner, Jack Palance as Curly the Trail Boss. Choice. Cowboy leads a different kind of life when there were cowboys. Or a dying breed. Still means something to me, though. A couple of days, we'll move this herd across the river, drive them through the valley. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing like bringing in a herd. See, now that's great. Your life makes sense to you. <laughs> What's so funny? You city folk. You worry about a lot of shit, don't you? Shit? Yeah. My wife basically told me she doesn't want me around. She read it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, how old are you? I, when I was watching that, I was like, what the fuck does he mean? Is she a redhead? 
there's a couple of me- say, things they say in this movie. I'm just like, I don't fucking get it. Like, I don't like well, why he had said earlier in the movie oh, that he likes redheads. Gotcha. That's all. That, that's right. So yeah, Jack Palance wins the Academy Award, which seems I don't know. Like rewatching it, I don't, I don't know that there's anything moving to me about this role. But I mean, if you really like Jack Palance and he is good, I don't know. I think it's one of those. I mean, best supporting actors always. Like, they kind of always like if you're if it's someone's due in at the Academy Awards for like a one or like they should have got one a long time ago, they'll give you one if you're like up for, you know, best supporting actor or something like that. And what do you think? So Jack Palance wins the best actor award. Does he smack Chris Rock? No way. He handles it like a cowboy. <laughs> he he does. He would. He uh, would just show how strong he is by doing pushups on the stage. Or um, or you give him a, you give him a threat. You say, hey, watch your tongue. You don't have to assault somebody. You can tell somebody, you know, that's the line and you crossed it without assaulting them. And that's, that's what Jack Pounce would have done. But yeah, he won the best supporting actor. He was in the movie for maybe... 25% of it. He's not that's, in the... That's that's favorable. That's I'd say favorable. maybe 15. I, I just looked up the top 10 performances that were had like the shortest amount of screen time and he wasn't on there. But yeah, he's he's like right up there with like Anthony Hopkins for winning an Academy Award for barely being in a movie. So uh, the rest of the cast, we mentioned Yardley Smith, Lisa Simpson as the checkout girl who gets pregnant by Daniel Stern. Jake Gyllenhaal. Is it Gyllenhaal? I don't know. I've heard it. I actually heard like someone say it's not pronounced Gyllenhaal. It's pronounced Gyllenhaal. And I'm like, okay, well, everyone's been pronouncing it Gyllenhaal for the last like 20 years. So All right. Well, Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. He plays Mitch's son at the beginning. And then um, Ira and Barry, the ice cream guys, played by David Paymer and Josh Mostel or Mostel, I'm not sure. David Paymer is a pretty good character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff you've seen. Mm-hmm. But Iron Berry, the the sort of ice cream tycoons, they were a fun little addition to the cattle drive. I thought, don't you think? Yeah, I thought they were great. I uh, I don't really. Yeah, what has David Paymer been in? I've, that's well, what he I... was. Um, he was a regular character in the show The Commish at the oh, okay. time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that show? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and um, I think he was in. He was like a like a low level mafioso guy in a few like italian movies like he's mm. there's a few things that'll hit my tongue but yeah we have a good drop of the ice cream guys we can play for you go ahead making an issue you're making an issue hi hello isn't this great we're ira and barry shalowitz Ira and barry that's like the ice cream no that's that's us we make ira and barry's ice cream really i love that ice cream but on the commercials it's a different ira and barry it's two good looking guys models if it was us, could you eat? <laughs> Who is that? It kind of struck me when I was watching this. So, like, these multimillionaires are going on this cattle drive with working class guys from New York. And I was, like, thinking, like, is this... This would be, like, a really expensive trip, wouldn't it? Like, I think Daniel Stern makes a, a joke. Like, I worked every weekend for a year to, to send you on this trip. I'm, what a good friend, though. Yeah. Could you imagine working every weekend for a year to give me a vacation? I would not do that. Um, no, I, I wouldn't do that for, like, my wife, like, <laughs> let alone my friend. I will also mention Helen Slater's in it as well. And Helen Slater is, she was really famous in the 80s. She was in Secret to My Success with Michael J. Fox. Uh, she's also Supergirl. She's really most famous for being in Legend of the Legend of Billy King, which I don't think many people saw, but there's a scene in it where she you can see I don't know if you see her like full frontal, but like you see a lot. And 
I think a lot of men had crushes on Helen Slater. And she's really the only, I mean, besides the wives in the beginning of the movie, she's the only woman in this movie. And actually when I was watching, I was like, is there going to be some love story, some weird creepy love story between her, her and Billy Crystal. And then like Billy Crystal, like really learns like, Oh, I can't cheat on my wife. I'm, my family is all I, is, is the most important thing to me. And then like, I don't, that doesn't happen. Thank God. But if they made city slickers today, it probably would happen. Yeah. I, I was, one of the things I pointed out in the notes section of this is that I, one of the reasons I really like this movie is there isn't really a love story. I'm, mm. I'm always just so appreciative when a, when a movie doesn't go there, it just feels like so cliche and not every movie needs to have a love story. You know what I mean? And this movie, this movie did fine without one. Well, it has a, it has a love story about a man falling back in love with his family, Adam. Well, I think, I think the, the, the lamer argument that's more apropos would be that like, it's more of a love story between like buddies, you know, it's, mm, yeah. they're, 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 you know, they're helping each other through the hard time. It's like they're, they step away from their families and they find comfort in each other. They've grown up together. Yeah, that's I, that, that's a better that's a better way of putting it. Well, that's so, really that's so, really uh, the cast. Jeffrey Tambor is also in it for like a minute, and that was interesting that for him to pop up. But other than that, that's about that's about it. Yeah, he he was barely in it, but uh, yeah, not a good cast, not a not a big cast. I you know, Ira and Barry. That's got to be a Ben and Jerry's joke, right? Oh yeah, I looked that up as I was watching. I was like, they based those characters off of Ben and Jerry. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so I wonder what the real Ben and Jerry look like. I wonder if they're like super uggos. <laughs> I think they do look like what they look like on the, because they aren't their faces on the ice cream box. Yeah, but maybe or? that's the joke. Maybe the faces look like normal people and they're just like freak mutant le lepers or something <laughs> like that. Like the bad guy in Braveheart, you know, Robert the Bruce's dad or whatever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, they are, you know, bigger bigger guys uh i what i think i don't know which one it is i know ben or jerry one of them died from a heart attack but like the family won't admit that it was because of all the ice cream that he ate uh <laughs> well what does it matter anyway <laughs> right uh, he's dead you know who cares why uh so uh Let's get into some of our favorite scenes before we close this out. Like, what are some of the scenes you like, Brennan? I really enjoy the scene where they introduce Curly. Like, I really, they really set up uh, the characters there. Like, that that Billy Crystal at least isn't like a, a, he is kind of, he's kind of meek and, but he's, at least he'll stand up for what's right. And I liked how they kind of set that scene up. At least he's like, I'm going to at least stand up for this woman, even though I probably going to go get my, get my ass kicked. I like that scene when they introduce Curly. I, there's nothing really that sticks out to me. What, what about you, Adam? Well, when Mitch delivers the calf like mm. that, I, I should have looked up if that, that scene looked so real. Did he really deliver a calf? Maybe you can search that while I'm talking because like, I swear he's pulling Norman out of like cow poon. Like it's, it's really, really realistic looking and the cow's like covered in schmag. Um, mm. And you get this like instant connection between Mitch and this like baby cow. It starts licking him. It just, it felt really authentic. The cow giving birth used a puppet calf as several takes were wanted. Uh, but Billy Crystal actually did assist in the delivery. Um, but like, yeah, I, don't, I guess they use real calves, but they weren't actually being birthed. Um, so I'm kind of confused with how it worked. They, they used the, the, the calf coming out was fake, but then the calves that were then they were real. I don't really know, but um, I see. Well, well, anyway, it looked really good. I thought they did a really good job on that scene. It felt very real, and mm. it was this moment where, like, Mitch is 
Mitch realizes he's in a whole nother jungle. You know, he's out in the middle of the wild, wild west delivering baby calves from a struggling cow mom with this creepy old cowboy curly who he thinks he's going to, you know, likely shoot him at that point in the movie. Fun fact, Billy Crystal stopped eating veal after deliver after like this movie, like he would never eat veal ever again. That's interesting because in the movie, forget Paris, there's like a couple of references that his favorite food is veal Parmesan and like Billy Crystal wrote and directed that movie. So that always felt like a very personal comment. So maybe veal was one of his favorites before he did this movie. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. So that scene was good. I, I, you know, also the Indian is great. We're like the drunk Curly's dead. The drunken cowboys run away. Everyone else like abandons the herd for themselves. They all decide to just go to Colorado without the herd. But like Billy Crystal, Bruno and Phil decide they've got something to prove. So they stay behind. And the three of them, you know, across this ferocious river during like a rainstorm, the three of them, you know, bring the cows to safety. Norman gets like swept up in the river and Billy, Billy Crystal has to like run and save him. And the, and his buddies have to like, you know, run down the river and and jump into the river and save Billy from being drowned. It's just like a really, it's a really fun, good, you know, action packed ending. Mm. And then when that's all done, they all get a stroll into camp like cowboys with everyone looking at them with pride and respect because of what they went through to save all the cattle. And then, which I thought was really kind of an interesting choice. The dude ranch owner like announces, Oh great. Now I can slaughter all these cows. Right. Like he like he like he total buzz kills the ending like and like in front of everyone and like all the characters are all sad. They're like, oh, yeah, these cows are going to get eaten. You know, and like that's that's sort of the end of the scene. Like the the director goes full real world on you. was like, nope, fuck you guys. This is it. like these cows are for eating. Yeah. And that's why and that's why Billy Crystal saves a calf. Right. Is because he doesn't want that that one eaten that he saved. Yeah, like you yeah. can't leave it there. It's gonna get eaten. So right. he, you know, he saves the cow, not not just to adopt him, but to save his life. I will I I will make another note of one of my favorite scenes too, is I do really do love the scene in the classroom where they when they showed Jake Gyllenhaal, I was like, Oh shit, I forgot that he was even in this movie because it's his first role ever. And when you see him like today, like you're just like, Oh, that is him. And uh he looks surprisingly a lot like himself still like he's not one of those kids that like grew up and doesn't look anything like his himself as a kid the scene where the the dad before billy crystal it's like a they're having like a job the dads are coming in to explain their job and the the dad the guy before him is a uh, construction worker and he tells like a really intense story about saving some woman from losing her leg and is really like crass and i thought that was really funny and like how like life is like you, you could have like the cool job and some construction worker comes in and like shows like how much cooler they are than you. That sounded very personal, Brennan. Very personal, Adam. D- did you have a, did you have an off job a day at, or Linger at Lincoln Ivy's like classroom dad fair? Not yet. I think okay, kids, will, I, I think kids will, fu- would figure out that I have a really fun job. Yeah. I, I can't imagine kids like not liking podcast producing. Like they're like, Oh, like you're gonna be you're gonna be upstaging that dad that thinks he's cool that's true yeah you're uh, you're the role of the fat balding construction worker in this fairy tale exactly the person behind me is gonna be like an accountant something boring and i'll be like yeah i know your wife's an accountant so is my (laughs) sister-in-law but i really do think accounting's like one of the most boring careers like i just i'm like (laughs) incredibly bored by it 
I hate talking about it. There's there's a joke that a lot of OnlyFans models will say, like people ask them like what they do instead of like trying to explain that they're an OnlyFans model, they just say that they're an accountant because no one ever wants to learn any more about anybody being an accountant. Oh, so my you know my buddy Chris, he works he works at like an uh, an auto shop, and he had to approve somebody for an auto loan the other day, and her income was OnlyFans. And he had to verify her income. <laughs> so he had to like personally like, you know, check her out. And I'm like, so how's she doing? And he's like, oh, she's killing it, dude. She makes like three grand a week. <laughs> God, that's crazy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. No wonder she works at OnlyFans. So, yeah, she got approved for the car. Well, yeah, I'm sure she did. And good for her. <laughs> using, using what she got. So let, let's get into some this and that about the, the movie. The screenplay was by Lowell Gans and Bobaloo Mandel. That's a fun name, Bobaloo. They were the writing partners that did the movie Splash, Parenthood, A League of Their Own, Multiplicity, Greedy, Ed TV, and more. Like these guys are actually like a pretty kick-ass comedy writing duo. Like, let me say that again, like Splash, Parenthood, that was Ron Howard, A League of Their Own, Penny Marshall, Multiplicity, that was Egon greedy that movie's really good ed tv i know you and your wife like that movie like those are some mm-hmm. really good 90s comedies these guys wrote i didn't realize like how deep their list was but like it's they have a lot of movies that they've written together so i'm kind of confused so did billy crystal come up with the idea and then these guys just wrote it is that like kind of is that the yeah, end that of sounds what that sounds like what happens i remember hearing some story about like billy crystal writing this this log line on like a cocktail napkin like three mm. guys go to the wild west to find themselves, something like that. And do you know, like, as like someone who writes, like, do a lot of times like actors they come up with the idea and they just have someone write a screenplay for them? Is that like how it works in Hollywood? No, only if you've got the clout like Billy Crystal does. Gotcha. Or, or fucking Ron Howard, or you know, one of these big swinging dicks. No, most people you got to write your own shit. Mm. Nobody's gonna write it for you. you. You better be somebody if you're getting somebody to write stuff for you. Uh, yeah, especially a film, you know. I get. I mean, I feel like if I was like a famous, like it's like a, it's like almost like a, you know, you have an idea, but you don't want to, you don't have the, the idea to like. I, I can't go write a screenplay, but I have ideas. I have friends that could do it for me. It's like a, it's like a producing credit or like a created by, right? When you're a writer like I am, all your friends come to you with awful ideas about things that you should write. Mm. Like they're always very poorly thought out, or it's just a really vague concept. And they're like, this should be a movie. Go write it. You know, we'll be we'll be rich. Like, we? What the fuck are you going to do? Like, all you <laughs> do is come up with one bad idea. If it's good at all, it's because I have to make it good now. <laughs> Does that happen a lot? Oh, like, I mean, I never do them. I, I have to find polite ways to say no. I mean, it usually comes from a really true place, which is if I can ever get around to writing, I'm going to want to write my own shit. Like, I don't, I'm not like... I'm not inspired to write your shit. That's like the most honest answer I could give. But the the truer answer is that almost every idea any friend or person I know has ever given me has been just god awful cringe. Mm. Just like 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 a a a six year old and a dog came up with it together. (laughs) I'm glad I've never pitched you any of my ideas. (laughs) Yeah, no offense. I mean, I I I I, that was not speaking of anything personal between us, but that happens all the time. No, I I could imagine. So this came up in a. I think an episode we did last year, we did Tremors. Ron Underwood directed this movie and he directed Tremors also, but he like, didn't he leave Tremors like the last day of filming for Tremors to go direct this? Wasn't I feel like there was some story like that. Yeah. Some like anyways. And so, but he, or, or are we thinking of, are we thinking of Burt Gummer who left 
family ties to go do tremors like the next day. Oh, I think that's what we're thinking of. That that, yeah, that makes that, more sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so Ron Underwood Tremors is one of my all time favorite movies. Longtime listeners of the show might remember that. But like Tremors and City Slickers, those are two pretty great credits. His other popular credits that you might know are Mighty Joe Young, not a terrible movie, and Adventures of Pluto Nash, a fucking terrible movie. And he never really recovered from Pluto Nash. I think it's so strange that he could go from making these two box office smashes for, I mean, City Circles was like the fifth grossing movie in 1991. And 1991 was like a, a pretty big year for movies. And then he goes on to like do nothing, anything as big as these. And so I guess it... Guess he just got lucky, I, but he... Or, you know, a lot of people get money and then they phone it in. I guess it's true. But this guy has directed, you know, every year since since then. So I'm, I'm sure he's not doing too bad for himself. Like he's doing TV shows and stuff like that. So he's, uh, he's doing pretty well for himself. Well, good for Ron Underwood. I mean, I'll always love Tremors and City Slickers. Um, so a couple of funny things I found out about this, like uh, City Slickers adjacent. The Billy Crystal episode of Muppets Tonight featured a parody entitled City Stickers with Kermit and Fozzie. And uh, and then Funny or Die made this seven-minute film that I watched last week that's sort of like a Westworld City Slickers mashup where like Billy Crystal and Daniel Stern play characters like robots in Westworld that are malfunctioning and Billy Crystal keeps like like keeps freaking out and shooting Phil like over really mundane things. <laughs> that's funny. I need to go watch that. That sounds like, that sounds like, a, that sounds really funny. Uh, yeah. And one of the Hemsworth brothers is in it. Hmm. Well, let's get into our, my favorite segment of this show, Adam. Let's get into the dumb shit. I think we've talked a little bit about our dumb shit, but what, what's some of the dumbest shit that you can think of from this movie? Well, the dumbest thing is, is Cookie, the cowboy chef, He's one of the cowboys. He so the people that lead the trail, the trail like the cattle drive are Curly, Jr. and TJ or whatever the fuck the two cowboys' names are, and then Cookie, the chef. And at one point, Cookie gets quote gets into the liquor, and gets so drunk that he like tattoos a a, a frowny face on his ass, and he starts throwing the food from the cart out into the into the fucking wilderness and then literally drives this wagon and two horses off a, off a cliff jumps off and breaks his own legs when he does it. How <laughs> fucking drunk would you have to get to do that in the first place? And, and secondly, aren't you a fucking cowboy? Can't you handle your liquor? Like, I think it, I think, just felt really implausible. Like even for cowboys, I think cookie was uh, maybe cooking some other stuff that maybe it was you not just alcohol. his own shit. Uh, maybe it was some other type of drug. I don't know. It, see, it just seemed really over the top. Yeah. Um, I think one of the dumbest things that we can both agree on is Billy Crystal taking a fucking calf home and raising it. That is makes zero sense. Where would you, where would you, you I mean, you'd, if you agree to adopt a cow, you have to, you're moving, right? You. <laughs> yes, you're moving. <laughs> you're moving. You're moving away <laughs> to another place that has... A field, like a mm. field, is a must-have at this point. I mean, you got to have a yard. Yeah, I mean, you can't I, not have. No, you can't just have a yard. You have to have a field. You have the field, and you have to have a, and you also have to. You're in New York, so it gets cold in the winter. So you have to have a barn. Uh, you can't have the calf. You can't have the cow inside the house. 
Um, yeah, there's um, there's a lot of things that you can. I don't even know if you can have a cow as a pet. To be honest with you. I know you can, you know, have it if you have a certain amount of acreage. But like, yeah, you definitely got to move somewhere. So yeah, that's not happening. You're also not taking you it on a plane. It. I mean, but uh, yeah, so you don't adopt cows, and you, you know what? You you could do what these like these like rich white girls do, do with horses. Where you don't get all that, you just stable them somewhere. Oh, They're that's... your cow, but you like pay some hick to take care of them. You know that's what you could do with a cow too. That's what you, that's definitely what you could do with the cow. Um, but I, I bad news for anyone that is owning cows. Cows serve no purpose other than to either make more cows, make milk, or to be butchered. Like other than that, like they aren't pets. So they're only here for people to consume pieces of or them to make things that we consume so yeah if you're gonna have a cow you want a fucking dairy cow right you yeah. at least want to you at least want well no you don't you don't want fresh milk what are you what are you gonna do you're gonna like yeah you're not gonna milk it either there's i mean there's no cows that you really need that that's or yeah. like yeah, I get okay so, so we wouldn't own the cow we're not we gonna own the we'd cow. let we'd let him butcher the cow i would yeah I'd get what the, if I'd, you brought what, what if you brought the steaks home what if you do? Yeah, that's you butcher Norman. Yeah, and you bring the steaks home to enjoy as a family. That's your one thing, steak. That that's a nice that's a nice present to bring home. Like I yeah. got, I here's some nice veal, family. Yeah, fresh, fresh. Like I butchered this myself. So, <laughs> um, we said I love it when movies don't have a love story. I really do. Whenever a, a good movie works without a love story, I try and point that out. Yeah. Uh, this movie's 114 minutes long, so a shade under two hours. That's mm. fine, I guess. It's 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Very high. A very popular movie. It did have a sequel. <laughs> uh, City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. I think 94, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct, yeah. Bruno Kirby replaced by one of my favorite comedians, John Lovitz. And uh, yeah, what, what, what do you remember about City Slickers 2 briefly? I remember nothing about it. I remember watching it. What I do know about it is that Jack Palance comes back from the dead as a, uh, as Curly's twin brother. Duke. And they have a map from Curly that they are going to go find like a treasure. So I, which I don't, did that happen in the first film or did they like find this somewhere? Like was it in like a hat or something? I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Crystal keeps Curly's hat. And That's at the beginning is. of season Lickers two, Billy Crystal finds a map in the hat. Yeah. A um, treasure map. That, that makes sense. And so they, you know, they go and now they're in a new midlife crisis because now they need money. Apparently I, I, I don't remember this at all. I just remember the pieces of it. I will say I'm watching the, the trailer, I was not watching the trailer, but I see like a screenshot from the trailer and that Billy Crystal's like running with a cow, which I can only assume is a cow, the, the cow that he saved. And the cow has horns. So that means it's a male cow. Um, he could stud the cow and that's how he can keep it. Um, it could be a... Do you stud a cow like you would like a Rottweiler? Yeah, you make a lot of money from studding cows. If you have a good a good stock cow, like... You, that, you mean a bull? A bull, sorry. Thank you. Uh, so you've looked into bull studying. You're, well, I've learned you've Googled a lot. Bull, you've I, Googled bull studying late at night when the, when the kids were asleep. I've learned a lot about it because of our friend Justin Owens, who also listens to the podcast. He has 
cattle. Um, he has a seed stock farm here in Spokane. And uh, don't blame Justin for your odd internet searches. And Brendan. oh, I've learned so much about cows from him. And yeah, you can make a lot of money from the sperm of cow. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, that's you know that's hey, dirty jobs with my with Mike Rowe. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, so when I was in Ireland, I found out that after two springs of lammies the sheep the the sheep farmers will often swap out their their rams with each other really yeah because you don't want your rams impregnating their daughters from two seasons ago so you instead of getting a new ram you just like trade with the irishman down the lane you know yeah that makes sense because you don't want to yeah. like do in, in, like interbreeding and stuff like that. So yeah, so every like two seasons, you like call up you know McGregor, mm. and you you bring your ram to his house, and he has sex with McGregor's sheep, and McGregor brings his ram to your house, and McGregor's ram has sex with your sheep, and the world the world keeps turning. So Billy should be trading his cow to someone else. Who Billy? Who's Billy? Billy the kid, <laughs> Billy Crystal. Oh yeah, he he could trade Norman <laughs> after two seasons to another another midlife price C. Yeah, well. So anyway, that's <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of stringing things together at this point. Um, th- that's that's City Slickers. It's a fun '90s movie. It's a fun Billy Crystal shtick. Like I like it a lot. Brennan, yeah, final I, thoughts? I I like it a lot. It's a fun movie to go watch. Like it definitely has those it has that '90 nostalgia to it, uh, and. You can go watch it on HBO Max. It's part of their uh, TMC channel or whatever they call it. It's like a, it's one of the the, the Turner, Turner classic movies. And so uh, you can go watch it there. Okay, cool. So way, give us those awesome five-star reviews because you love us. Uh, email us at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. Twitter, at super90sbros, at Pods. Check me out at adampitzler.com. For Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another cow-flopping episode of Super 90s Bros, City Slicker style. And remember, if some 20-year-old grocery store checkout clerk wants to have unprotected sex with you in your car, always use a fake name. Peace. Peace.